1: I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, July 15th. Gay bars reopening amid San Diego's Pride Week. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. COVID-19 cases are increasing in San Diego County, and public health officials say they're worried about vaccine hesitancy. David Metz with FM3 Research recently conducted a survey of San Diegans' views of the vaccine. He says one in five have no intention of getting vaccinated.
2: But they lack confidence in the safety of the vaccine. They're worried about side effects. They're worried that the
3: vaccine's development was too rushed, and they're uncertain what its long-term impacts might be.
1: San Diego City officials announced a new set of law enforcement strategies for curbing violent crime and unregistered ghost guns on Wednesday. According to Police Chief David Nisleit, the new strategies include assigning more personnel to violent crime teams, gathering more information from suspected problem areas, working with outside agencies, and using more investigative techniques for monitoring to locate and arrest wanted suspects. Governor Gavin Newsom touted the state's COVID-19 rental relief program on Wednesday. He says it's the largest in the nation and will pay back 100% of what people owe back to April of last year. Des Castro Ramirez is California's Secretary of Business, Consumer Services and Housing.
3: Since the signing of ABA 32, we have seen a dramatic increase in the number of families that are applying for the state's rental assistance program.
1: Applications for the program are online at housingiskey.com. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. The San Diego Pride celebration is upon us this weekend and gay bars are back as California lifts COVID-19 restrictions. KPBS's Katie Stiegel says these long-standing safe havens of the LGBTQ community are re-emerging after a year in which many feared that they would go under.
4: It was mid-June, two days after California lifted its COVID restrictions and the crowd at the rail was ready to celebrate after a long 16 months. It's been a hard road back. San Diego's oldest gay bar has survived attacks from law enforcement, the HIV-AIDS epidemic, and most recently, the COVID-19 lockdowns. The low point for some business owners came when 2020's Pride was canceled. That's when the rail's owner, Gail Santilan, thought the run might be over. That, to me, was like the harder blow. Not just COVID, it was losing pride. And losing pride to anyone in this neighborhood business-wise, is huge. Um, we, We bank on that entire week. It's just bigger than most people can imagine. Santilan made the best of the downtime. While the rail was closed, she did some minor repairs and made an effort to take care of the staff. She made them meals each day until they were on unemployment. Santilan also received a PPP loan, and her landlords helped her work out a plan to stay open but she says there were moments when she considered closing for good. I would come in, walk in, walk around the bar and go, oh God, I can't do this, and just walk out the door in tears. Like just because I still didn't know. None of us knew. Sorry. But it, it's over. It's over. We hope it's over. We're past it. Everyone's healthy. Not all gay bars made it through last year's gauntlet. The owners of Martinis Above 4th, a lounge known for its specialty drinks and live performances, announced in October they were declaring bankruptcy. But overall, San Diego's LGBTQ establishments have shown remarkable resilience. Paul Detweiler produced the documentary San Diego's Gay Bar History. He says that may be because LGBTQ folks depend on the bar scene for a lot more than just drinking.
2: Gay bars are culturally different than straight bars because they're sanctuary safe havens for people that have typically experienced a lot of prejudice and discrimination growing up, uh, which is something that the straight population hasn't experienced being the majority uh, demographic.
4: Most importantly, they've served as the hubs of the gay rights movement dating back to the 1960s. Protests, awareness campaigns, and even San Diego's first pride were conceived in the dark and dusty corners of these clubs.
2: Before uh, the different levels of government stepped up and assisted with HIV and AIDS and stuff. The community did it themselves. And um, so that's a reason that an older generation of LGBT people really have that fond spot in their heart for bars.
4: But while LGBTQ people today have been able to emerge from the shadows in ways that might have been inconceivable a generation ago, gay bars are still essential for the community. Alan Torres, who's come to the rail for roughly six years, says they remain a big part of his comfort zone.
0: I feel more comfortable with myself and my partner. Um I mean for lack of a better word, I mean yeah, it's home, you know? I mean we can't behave the same in the straight bar. I mean, it's like comparing going here to somewhere in downtown. I mean for me going to the Latin night in like like at the rail you know, and Hillcrest is not the same as going to like Onyx, you know, downstairs, whereas another landline, like, which I, I like,
4: but it's not the same as coming in here. Torres and many others are excited about Pride 2021, which is happening this week. Organizers have put together a full slate of events that should keep gay bars packed throughout the weekend.
1: And that reporting from KPBS's Katie Steagle. Construction of the Aztec Stadium in Mission Valley hit a major milestone on Wednesday. KPBS's John Carroll was there for the topping out ceremony.
5: Under a hot July sun, work moved ahead on Aztec Stadium in Mission Valley Wednesday afternoon. While a big ceremony played out on what will be known as Basher Field, San Diego State President Adela De La Torre.
4: What an amazing accomplishment we have here.
5: San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria getting in some civic boosterism. The entire Mission Valley
2: expansion of SDSU's campus, that's big, it's bold, it's exciting,
5: it's the kind of stuff that the eighth largest city in the country should be doing. After the speeches, the big event, the raising of a steel beam, laden with signatures from everybody who wanted to sign, an American flag and a tree on top, the tree, an ancient symbol of good luck in construction. San Diego State's school song played as the beam rose. We'll speed things up so you can see its entire journey to the top. Looking around this unfinished stadium, one could be forgiven for being skeptical that it's going to be open and ready by September 3rd of next year. But San Diego State President Adela De La Torre isn't only confident of that, she's sure of it.
4: I'm willing to bet on it. That's how much I'm willing to say I am confident about it. It's just everything has happened. The stars have aligned.
5: With all the excitement about the new stadium, it's easy to forget there's much more to this project. The site will also be home to a new river park, a research and innovation district, 4,000 new homes, and thousands of SDSU students, which leads to a pretty obvious question. Traffic in Mission Valley is already horrible. So how will the valley's strained transportation network handle all those extra people? We don't want a bunch of housing with a lot of degradation our quality of life. The way you prevent that is with thoughtful infrastructure investment. The regional transportation plan I hope we'll adopt this year will be exactly that. September 3rd, 2022. That's the date the stadium is set to open. The Aztec football team will take on the University of Arizona and the game is already sold out.
1: And that was KPBS's John Carroll. Low-income San Diegans are missing out on millions of dollars in cash assistance from the state of California. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen has more on the results of a study released on Wednesday.
3: The report from the UC Berkeley-based California Policy Lab analyzed data from CalFresh, the state's food stamps program. Many CalFresh recipients make so little money they're not required to file a tax return. But you need a tax return to receive the California Earned Income Tax Credit, which gives cash assistance to the state's poorest residents. Research fellow Matt Unrath says that aid can go a long way toward helping people out of poverty. But of course the concern, at least in the short term, is that Programs like the Cali ITC or the Golden State Stimulus or this newly expanded child tax credit, um, you know, we, households who are most vulnerable, who have the lowest incomes, are most at risk of not receiving those programs. The report found San Diego County's poorest residents missed out on $5.5 million in unclaimed tax credits in 2017, the most recent year with available data. It recommends California expand free tax filing assistance to ensure everyone who's entitled to the tax credit receives it.
1: And that was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. Coming up, despite facing yet another drought emergency, there's still no state mandated water restrictions. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. California is in the midst of another drought emergency, but there's still no state-mandated water restrictions similar to those deployed during the last multi-year drought, and the public response to that decision varies depending on where you live. KQED's Ezra David Romero explains.
2: 85% of California is experiencing extreme drought conditions. The last time statewide drought restrictions went into place was 2015, and it was the third drought year. Californians are using 16 percent less water, and that's why the state is only asking for a 15 percent voluntary water reduction, says Carla Nemeth, director of the California Department of Water Resources.
4: By the end of this year, if we're preparing for another extraordinarily dry year, then we could see California move towards mandatory water reduction.
2: Even though reservoir levels and dry conditions are dangerously low in some areas, on par with a three- or four-year drought, Nemeth says regional restrictions allow for a targeted approach to reduce water waste. From a climate perspective, I would take the 15% seriously. Noah Diffenbaugh is a climate scientist at Stanford. We don't have drought relief on the horizon. We can expect these conditions to intensify before there is relief.
3: My fervent hope is that we see some An early onset to the rainy season this year.
2: UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain says that's hypothetically possible. Maybe the rains will arrive in September or October this year. That would sure be nice. But Swain says that would be contrary to the trend. California is having shorter rainy seasons, more concentrated in the winter. Even with all that California is facing, think heat waves, wildfire risk, and lack of rain. UC Davis water resources expert Jay Lunn says requiring areas that don't need to conserve as much right now, like Los Angeles and San Francisco would,
3: Make them less receptive to being told later on, when you really need them to conserve a lot of water to do so.
2: But for many people who live in places like the San Joaquin Valley, where wells are going dry, the light water restrictions feels like a gut punch, says Veronica Garibay, co-executive director with the Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability.
4: It's 109 degrees in Fresno today. Imagine having to work outside all day and come home and not being able to shower in your own home. I think it's infuriating and disappointing and sort of feels hopeless. Like, have we not learned our lesson here?
2: Getty Gedibai's group advocates for communities through the Central Valley and the Coachella Valley, where the drought is making existing inequities worse.
4: Why is the burden on communities and people of color in particular who have the least access to safe water and, and are disproportionately impacted by dry wells and and access to safe drinking water to begin with, why is it on our backs and on a community's backs to have to always raise the alarm on these issues? With the most
2: vulnerable in mind, Faith Kern says it's time to start thinking of drought as a chronic issue as opposed to an acute idea where we will be saved by rain each year. She's a scientist for the California Institute of Water Resources.
1: I think the set of actions we might take start to look a little bit different, and I don't totally know what those are yet maybe those, wa- those voluntary water r- reductions are permanent.
2: Whether the current reductions become part of our permanent California way of life is still to be determined, but everyone I spoke with recognizes climate change is stressing the way we currently live. They say solutions for future dry times may mean reinventing the way water is managed beyond just what's needed to get the state through this current drought year.
1: And that was KQED's Ezra David Romero.